TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey everybody, Steve Janeiro here with another episode of TFC Talk. Uh, this week, a busy week, we actually had a midweek game. Toronto FC hosted Orlando City and they beat them 2-1. to one. So in a moment, you'll hear uh, head coach Greg Vanny give you his thoughts on the match in the post-match press conference. Thanks to James Grossi from MLS.com, MLSsoccer.com. And thanks to Mitch Tierney from Wake in the Red for the audio from Wednesday night, Greg Vanny. And then following that, you get a little one-on-one of myself with Curtis Larson from the Toronto Sun. Kurt is out in Seattle right now covering the team for the match this weekend, Saturday afternoon uh, in Toronto. And so you'll get a, you know, a little bit of a breakdown of the ongoings in Toronto FC and then some thoughts on what's going to happen in Seattle. And that's about it for you. Of course, as always, t- uh, TFC t- Talk is brought to you by XTSC.ca, the Extreme Toronto Sports Club. You're, you're, you're your house, your number one space for all your recreational sports needs here in the city of Toronto. And thanks to them for the great events that they've been running all, all spring long with ambassadors like Joe the Altador and Toast St. Ricketts. Make sure you check them out, xtsc.ca. Follow them on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and all, you know, anywhere else where you're doing social media. You can check them out and see them there. I'm back next week with another episode of TFC Talk each and every single week. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore S. Gennaro. And, you know, as always, we're broadcast on Waking the Red. We're broadcast on World Football Index. We're broadcast on All in Sports Talk, and we continue to grow. We've now pushed over 10,000 downloads for TFC Talk since we started doing this it's pretty incredible and i really appreciate every single one of you out there who helps to make this happen so until next time up the reds tfc talk on all in sports talk greg how, how would you describe this game you guys were on top of the game the first 45 and it seemed like Orlando had a lot of the better play in the second half just uh, more important thing just to get the three points for you well, always the most important thing is to get the three points. Uh, yeah, I thought we got off to obviously a good start. I think we, we were good with the ball. We were able to get uh, you know, switches to play. Whenever we did switch to play, there was a lot of space for us to attack. It's always natural when you're playing against a diamond. Uh, and I thought we found some, some real opportunities through that. Um, you know, as the game progressed, uh, I think obviously the letdown at the very end of the first half was uh, meant that it became a real dogfight. You know, we, we gave away some of our cushion and, and it came to 2-1 and they came out uh, pressing a little bit higher, a little bit faster. Uh, some of the challenges we had in the second half in terms of um, you know, defensive was just was sort of the numbers in the midfield uh, and and then in transitions was, was there were so many numbers in the middle that we were transitioning, trying to transition through the middle, but we needed to get to the outsides and and so um, we were having a hard time getting out clean and with possession sometimes in the second half to be able to shift the game to the other side of the field. And we were having a little bit of a, a matchup problem with um, you know, managing the six, uh, managing their holding midfielder, and figuring a good way to get pressure on them to be able to, to sustain some of our pressure higher up the field. So we made an adjustment you know, into the second half. Uh, we went into a diamond as well and, and matched up with them, and then they could no longer really, they no longer had possession deep in our half. They, we took away their ability to get crosses, uh, and I think we finished off the game the right way. But there was a, obviously a pretty long stretch there in the second half where uh, we were defending in our shape and having to deal with some things. And, and uh, Alex came up with some incredible stops for sure. Uh, this win is, is really because of the saves that he made in the second half. We were able to hold on to it. Greg, uh, you won the game and you won three in a row, so job done. But is the next step really getting that extra goal to put the win away? The, some of these have been a little uh, skin of the teeth. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely something we got to continue to build on. Is, you know, when we have 
the game by the scruff of the neck is to finish it off, uh, put teams away. Um, and tonight was to, to not have the letdown on the set piece there, uh, which definitely put more pressure on us defensively. Um, so yeah, plus, you know, I think in the last two games, just you know, in terms of our ability to get a hold of the ball and take a little bit more care of take more care of the ball in the second half so when we have leads and we want to control the game, we should be you know, we got to progress a little bit in our ability to control the games in possession, not just in our defensive shape. And that's, uh, you know, the last two second halves, I think we, for my liking, we were a little bit too much in our defensive posture. Uh, when Bono got, took the attacker down outside the box, uh, were you expecting a yellow or was your heart in your mouth? Uh, I thought he was going to give Kyle a yellow card, actually. Uh, I didn't know if there was contact or not. I was a long ways away, so I, I'm always going to err on the side of my player. But, um, but yes, once, once I saw that uh, he was going towards, um, going towards Alex, I was uh, concerned. But I think the way the rules are now and, and the way things go about that would be a yellow card versus a red card. So uh, thank you for the rule change. But, um, but yes, that's, that was a situation we didn't need to get ourselves in. Greg, you've had three teams that have made the previous starts to the season conference from October, haven't really been tested away from home, perhaps. Um, what is it about this league that winning away just seems to be tougher than in other leagues sometimes? Well, it's, I was asked this question the other day, and it's something to think about. I haven't thought a ton about it, um, though I should. But I think, I mean, you travel time zones, you travel long distances, it's an endurance <clears throat> sport. Uh, and that the games are long, you have to play 90 minutes, and I think it's it's just the travel takes a lot out of you. We travel, you know, commercial, so travel day even to go from here to Florida or to somewhere else is an entire day. So you lose that day in terms of training a lot of times. Um, plus, then it's it's uh, you know sometimes you're traveling time zones, which makes it difficult. It throws things off, uh, and so it's just in a in a league where the margins are very small because everybody has more or less the same resources to to build their team more or less there's different ways to go up building your team but the theory of it is that there's parity across the league so when you have parity the margins are so small in one way or another that travel pushes the margins towards the home team just that much more right where in a lot of other leagues you don't have quite as much parity in the way teams are built and so um, I think that is one of those margin pushers that, that tends to, you know, push it in favor of the home team. you surprised that, did you expect Laren to finish that off? Did, did it look like he took his time uh, to you and tried to walk across the line? Uh, yeah, I thought um, in my head it was, wow, that was awfully casual, but I didn't necessarily think that Bono was going to get back. It was kind of my afterthought was he, he wasn't as aggressive to get to that and try to put it away as like maybe I thought the urgency of the moment could have had. But, uh, thankfully, it looked like maybe he took a little bit of his time, and, and Alex was able to, to squirm his way back and deal with it. But um, yeah, I think that was kind of one of the thoughts that went in my head that, that was it was all kind of in slow motion. You need your goalkeeper to, to win you games in this league. You get to, get to win in different ways. Sometimes it's not going to be the prettiest. Yeah, I think uh, again when it's a league of, of margins and margins are small, you you have to have a goalkeeper who can make saves. It's not necessarily every game that they have to pull you out, but there are definitely games over the course of the season where um, where the goalkeepers have to make saves to preserve wins, preserve draws, whatever whatever it is on the day. And, and um, I think it's it's important to see um, some of our goal, the goalkeepers in this league. I think have accounted for. We did a little bit of a 
a study on this not too long ago, maybe a year ago, and, and the amount of points that we could kind of attribute to a goalkeeper making saves that were where were sort of should have been our high high chance goals and the amount of saves that that goalkeeper made and how many how many points does that equate to? And that's one of the ways that we evaluate goalkeepers across the league. And so if you have a good goalkeeper that makes saves, it's worth it's worth points. There's no question. Greg, you have a, a short turnaround on a cross country flight to Seattle. How much of uh, your substitution plan was, was altered if you had a game plan at all going into the game and then having to fight with that last push by Orlando? None. Uh, the priority tonight was to get three points tonight. Um, we'll turn around and um, and move towards uh, Saturday. And uh, the guys I know are looking forward to Saturday. It's a, you know an opportunity to continue to build on the streak that we're on. And obviously going to Seattle is, is A, and always a, a fun place to play, and B, uh, an obvious rivalry with you know the way things went at the end of last year, but uh, so we'll turn the group around. But it, it didn't um, it didn't factor into any decisions to get guys off or to or to do anything like that. It was one game at a time. And um, while in my head and on my desk to have my ideas for the weekend, it doesn't it won't change anything for what I do tonight. Yeah. What was the sorry? What was the message at halftime, Greg, after giving up that uh, that goal? <clears throat> It was a uh, a little bit of a, a wake up um, call to them, just to say, you know, you've, we've put ourselves in a position where we're going to really have to, to dig because we gave them a lifeline, and uh, we needed to make sure that that we had the right intensity and sharpness as we came out, and um, that we just, you know, we've made this game a lot harder in those last last thirty seconds, and so, um, you know, with that in mind, came a you know a couple of. Light adjustments and things that we need to be thinking about in terms of our defending and, and getting numbers around and, and things like that and transitions. Um, but the message in terms of the mentality was we just made the game a lot harder and we need to we need to answer that because it's uh, you know one goal game is different than a two goal game for sure. Greg a quarter of the season is now past what do you think this team is at the moment and where would you like to see the team progress in what areas specifically the next nine games? I think the group's in a in a very good spot. I think um, you know we've progressed from the beginning of the season to now. Uh, we are uh, we're finding the back of the net. I think we are uh, some of our actions and speed of play and some of the things are good. Uh, I think it's again continuing to push uh, complete performances. Ninety minutes. It's when we're getting leads. It's uh, you know how we go about managing leads and controlling leads to um, you know to finish off teams and to have more comfortable sort of. Uh, wins, if you will, instead of the ones like today. Uh, but I think the last two wins were uh, a little more comfortable than today. At least that's how I feel. Um, but I think it's 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 continuing to push on, on some of those things. Um, again, it's it's a long season, so you know, we're, we're about to hit. When we get to, this month is obviously a very busy month, but when we get into summer, it's to me, the summer is like a whole new season because it's the summer grind, you're in the middle. Uh, at the beginning, there's excitement, and at the end, there's excitement. In the middle, there's this MLS sort of lull and grind that you work through, and a lot of uh, players are sort of here and gone because of national team duty. And so, um, you know, for us, it's just continue to build. I want to, you know, continue to push some of the some of our guys who haven't got a lot of minutes to continue to get minutes to, to create uh, competition in our group. But, um, yeah, to keep adding on to the things that we've done and, and again, complete games. Uh, play 90 minutes in, 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 uh, in the way we want to play. Does a, a game like this for Bono make it a little more difficult to, to replace him you know, when Irwin's healthy? Well, I think there's a there's a healthy competition there for the position. And, um, you know, who 
the guys that are that are doing the job are going to be on the field, and uh, you know Clint, when he comes, uh, when he's ready to get back, uh, he'll have his his opportunities as well. And uh, we'll by the time again, while we get by the time we get to the stretch, we'll have uh, very much solidified who that is. But it's not for me to put out there today. Jaminko uh, probably seems like he scored a thousand goals too, but he only has fifty. Uh, reached it pretty fast still. Did he get on track tonight? And what can you say about him scoring 50 goals in the four three seasons? Is it hard I mean, he's a he's obviously a incredibly special player. He, we've we've said as much so many times since the day he arrived and, and started wowing us with the kinds of goals that, that he's been able to score. And um, you know, lately I think he's. He put a lot of work in today, I thought, for the group defensively. He put a lot of work in for the group to try to help us to, to get out of situations. Um, and obviously, he, you know, he had a good feel for where the goal was tonight. And I think, again, it's finding that rhythm as a, as a forward, finding your pockets around the field, because he knows that people are going to be close to him more than one people, more than one player. Usually, it's a few. And um, I think he's finding a good rhythm within the group and, and within his relationship with the guys around him of where those spaces are. How to continue to be involved and to get into goal scoring, get, get into goal scoring positions. Um, so I, I mean, I suspect that as he continues to <clears throat> to do those things, he's going to continue to score goals because he's uh, he's very difficult to stop, especially when the team is moving the ball quickly and the team is finding him at the right times in the right spaces. Uh, then he's very difficult to to have to deal with. He doesn't need many chances, uh, you know, especially when he's feeling it. Thanks, guys. Extreme Toronto Sports Club, XTSC, offers the best co-ed, men's and women's recreational leagues across the city. Scarborough, North York, Downtown Toronto, indoor and outdoor turf soccer, co-ed volleyball and ball hockey leagues too. Get your soccer fix with Extreme Toronto Sports Club. Sign up today at xtsc.ca, xtsc.ca. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. All In Sports Talk, 24-7 Sports Talk Radio. Hey everybody, Steve Gennaro here for TFC Talk, and I'm having a long-distance conversation with Toronto Sun columnist Curtis Larson. Uh, you know you know Curtis, obviously, because if you listen to TFC Talk, if you follow Toronto FC, he's one of the most well-known uh, writers across the country who covers the club. So, uh, Curtis, all the way out in Seattle, where the club is playing Saturday night, how you doing? Good man, what's going on? Uh, lots of rain here. Usually, the you know the rains for the for the west coast, for the northwest, for Seattle. But we're getting it all here in Toronto. So you might be lucky out there, get some sun out Seattle way. Yeah, you can keep it, man. It's, uh, it's clearing here. It's supposed to be a nice weekend. Looking forward to the game at beautiful Century League Field. Yeah, we'll get to the Seattle game in just a second. Let's go back, if, if you don't mind, and just talk for a few quick minutes about Orlando, uh, Toronto FC two, Orlando City one. Uh, what were your, you know, big, you know, your initial thoughts on on the match? Did Toronto FC play well and you know deserve three points, or was it that you know they got kind of lucky to walk away with the points? Yeah, my initial thought was uh, when TFC went two zero up, I thought this was going to be another one of those three or four, you know, zero wins that we're used to seeing TFC take uh, at least at home over Orlando City and a lot of other teams. Uh, I was a bit surprised uh, to see how Orlando came out in the second half. Full credit to them, Jason Christ. I think they might have learned a little thing, uh, a little thing or two from from teams like Atlanta and, and Sporting KC who pressed a little higher up the field and gave TFC trouble. So, you know, Orlando comes out of the break, starts pressing a little higher, makes things difficult on TFC, and, and, and Orlando really 
uh, kind of controlled the, the second half of that the, the second half of that game. Uh, so I was impressed with them, and, and, and they've improved a lot. You know, additions like Jonathan Spector have helped, uh, and of course some players in the attack like Giles Barnes and and, uh, uh, and, and uh, Perez Garcia make that team a lot more dangerous. Uh, but then again, you know, in the end for TFC, it's also about winning games in different ways, and you got to have different players step up. It can't always be Dubinko. It can't always be Outdoor. It can't always be you know your your key players. Uh, winning games for you, and I thought that was what was impressive about TFC's win is that you know a guy like Alex Bono steps up, the defense steps up, and they win a game in a different way than we're used to seeing. So that's positive, uh, positive for them. You know, they take nine points in three home games right there. It really, just changed the I guess the whole look out, outlook on this club from before the the home stand started. It, but in all three of those games, towards the end, it, it seemed that the team that they were playing against was able to pick up a little bit of momentum, and Toronto City didn't look as dominant to close out the matches. How much of that do you think is you know match fitness or fatigue or focus, and how much of that is just maybe the substitutions of Greg Vanny, where he takes out uh, Delgado, takes out Vasquez? We see we see this you know the, the same sort of substitution patterns two three games in a row. Yeah, I mean, I think a game like Houston, you know, you know, you could you could say Houston kind of came on in the end there, but I also think TFC was probably taking it easy, up two zero. They knew they had a midweek game against Orlando, so I don't look too much into that. Um, but uh, you know, the ability to close out games is something TFC needs uh, need, needs to do. Uh, they need to get a third goal in that Orlando game to put it away. Uh, maybe that game's a lot more uh, a lot more simple if. Uh, they don't have a lapse uh, towards the end of the first half and can see that sloppy goal to, to Orlando to get them back in it. Um, but, you know, three points, uh, three points to three points, nine points from nine, uh, from, from a possible nine. Uh, that says everything you need to know. And I, and I think at this point early in the season, TSC moves on and they aren't really too concerned with how close the game was or how narrow Owen was. Yeah, Alex Bono makes a massive save. Can't say enough about that one. Does that change the discussion now for for when Clint Irwin comes back as to who the number one keeper is for this club? You know, you'd like to think so, but uh, you know, we've been saying that for a few years now. With, with of course Bendick and Kanaka at one point, who was number one, and then last season Bono and Irwin going back and forth, who's number one. If anything, Greg Vanny's kind of shown a tendency to swap his goalkeepers in and out. I think that's the wrong philosophy. I think you need to ride the hot hand. Uh, or, or at least stick with who you believe the number one goalkeeper is, just because I think that position is about confidence uh, and getting into a rhythm. So I think uh, I, I think it was a nice performance, and Bono showing he can make two real timely saves and preserve a win, uh, and just make good decisions overall on that home stand. Show that he's probably going to be the number one moving forward. I don't really see uh, uh, any reason to bring Clint Irwin back into the fold, except for maybe those cup games. Uh, but, you know, in saying that, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird uh, sport in that, uh, you know, a bad moment here or an injury here brings Irwin back in. So I think Greg Benny's going to use the cup games to get Irwin ready just in case. And it's never a bad thing to have two, uh, you know, two good keepers uh, for when you need it. Let's talk about some other players, injuries, rotations in the, black, in the back line. What's the latest on Drew Moore that you've heard from the club? It's the same, uh, you know, it's the same story. I think he was back in training. Uh, for at least a portion of this week. Uh, I, I could see him ramping things up uh, next week in preparation for the Columbus game. Will he be ready in time for that? We'll probably know a little bit later today when we're out of training uh, to see uh, the point of team selection and, and, and where injuries are. Uh, but, you know, the thing right now is I think TSE is learning that, you know, they're pretty deep across the back. When you can lose a guy like Drew Moore, you know, a veteran in this league, uh, the guy who, who largely was credited with TSC cutting down so many goals last season. When you can lose him and still uh, and still be consistent back there and, and, and pick up three wins and a clean sheet, 
then I think uh, I think you're tempted to take your time with Drew Moore and let him come back uh, at his own pace and not rush him back. You know that said, when he when he comes back, it's uh, it's going to be a selection headache because uh, you know what do you do? You you push Justin Morrow back out to the left and bring Edwards off, despite Edwards being very good the last few games. Uh, you leave Nick Havlin in the middle. Uh, personally, I think you need to go back to what got you the MLS Cup and, and push Justin Morrow back to the left back position. Give Edwards a break because. Um, you know, th- despite how good uh, Raheem Edwards has been, you don't want to push these young players too much. You want to you want to uh, give them time to learn, give them time to recover, uh, let them watch video, let them watch the veteran players in front of them, and then bring them back in uh, from time to time. What about in the midfield? We saw Cooper get a spot performance uh, against Orlando City, sub- substitution in. Uh, Chapman didn't even make the bench for Orlando City. Uh, Delgado seemed to move his way into the starting uh, 11 for, for, for the midfield. What are your thoughts on the midfield rotation right now for Toronto FC? You know, I think it's tough for a guy like Jay Chapman because he's essentially playing behind a guy like Victor Vasquez who leads the league in assists now and is obviously playing really well. So, you know, how do you go about getting him minutes? You have to probably wait for the cup games. Uh, maybe some away trips, maybe the one, uh, maybe the away date out here is an opportunity for him. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Marquis Delgado, who comes in almost out of nowhere this season and displaces Osorio and Cooper. I think Delgado has shown that he adds something that maybe both Osorio and Cooper don't have, and that's the ability to play, you know, one and two touch in the midfield, uh, switch the point of attack quickly, just make quicker decisions on the ball. That's not to say Osorio and Cooper, you know, aren't, aren't important pieces. I think you'll see Osorio come back in. At some point, you'll see Cooper come back, come back in at some point, and they both add different things. We saw, um, you know, against Orlando, bringing in Cooper off the bench, you know, his ability to keep the ball and wiggle out of situations and retain possession is second to none in this league. So I think these guys all add something different. I think they're all, uh, they're all quality midfielders that a lot of teams in this league would like to have. Uh, and, and it's kind of a selection headache for Greg Vanny, but it's also one where you know based on who the opponent is or the situation, you have guys that plug in. Uh, that can do a certain job. You know, you've been high on Josie Altador long before pretty much anybody else, and you defended him when a lot of people were taking shots, some still taking shots, which is really difficult to, to fathom or understand why they're holding on, <laughs> holding on to their old bias from, from many years ago. Uh, oh. But Josie's playing really well right now. He's going to be gone in the summer. We know he's going to the Gold Cup. We know Michael Bradley will be gone. And then there's, to St. Ricketts is probably going to be gone. And after that, maybe Jonathan Osorio, uh, maybe Jordan Hamilton, uh, possibly Jay Chapman, who knows? You know, maybe Justin Morrow if he gets the call, if there's an exploratory team. We know Eric Zavaleta has, has decided he doesn't want to... Well, Zavaleta said he doesn't want to play for El Salvador because he wants to hold off and hope, hopes he's getting an American team call-up. So there's a potential for a variety of players to go. Uh, how do you think this team will make it through at least a month of play without Bradley, Altidore, Ricketts. How does that change maybe the offensive setup for this team? Uh, you'll still have Javinko at least, but then what else do they do? Well, I think, first of all, if you're a TFC fan, you got to hope that the United States somehow loses in the first round of the Gold Cup. <laughs> and, uh, and these players aren't gone for a long time. But, uh, no, uh, you know, just, just going over some of the players you named quickly. Eric Zavaleta, I'm told he's not going to be with El Salvador. Uh, he's uh, He's been... Uh, he's been he's been contacted by them, but has decided to uh, not to go at this time. Just tomorrow, can't really see him getting the Gold Cup call, just because you would have th- you would have thought he would have been called up by now by now after especially for that January camp if, if he was interested. Uh, so I think you're going to be okay at the back. But the problem comes in, like you said, in the midfield and, and, and at the top. Uh, Michael Bradley, 
the U.S. captain, uh, certainly going to be gone, but, you know, is that a time when Benoit Cheru is going to be valuable and he comes in to play that deep role? Uh, probably. Um, and up top, uh, you know, uh, Altidore is certainly going to be gone. Uh, Tosin Ricketts likely going to be gone. So then you got to look to guys like Jordan Hamilton and, and, and ben, maybe even Ben Spencer, who he just recently signed, who we haven't seen a lot of. Maybe he starts to factor in. Um, you know, it's hard to say right now, uh, given that we don't know what the call-ups are going to be and we don't know what the health status of these players is going to be. But what I would say is that, you know, last year and, and the year before that, we've seen that TFC has an ability to still get results without its top players who might be gone in international tournaments. So uh, it's something that affects most teams in this league. It's not really something that uh, is used as, as an excuse anymore because of that reason. So, uh, well, it's going to be difficult. I think it's uh, I think it's key that Greg Vinny starts to get some of these uh, reserve players' minutes coming up in the next few weeks. Okay, two more, then we'll get you out of here. But the first one, we'll let's talk about Greg Vinny. 100 games as manager of Toronto FC. You know, nine games into this season, Kurt, they've only lost once. Clearly, if you take a look across, you know, the whole table of the Eastern Conference, that's pretty impressive. I know Orlando sits in first, and you know, the, you know, the Red Bulls are a little bit ahead of Toronto FC going into the weekend. But only one loss in nine games. Does Greg Vinny still take too much stick from Toronto FC supporters? Well, probably. I, I mean, I've been hearing less and less, you know, over the years. I, I remember back in, in 2014 when Greg Vanny first took over for Ryan Nelson towards the end of that season. Uh, TFC, you know, it misses the playoffs. A lot of people wanted Greg Vanny out. A lot of people wanted Tim Bezzetrenko out. Uh, the, 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 the MLT stuff with him. Then we go to 2015, and, and, and people are still kind of questioning uh, the management setup. Uh, of course, the playoff loss in Montreal was devastating. Again, people wanted uh, people wanted Bill Manning at that time to, to fire Greg Vanny and bring in a guy like Jason Kreis or somebody else. You know, I've always been a big believer in, uh, in consistency. Um, you, you, you don't just bring in new management, new GMs, new coaches, uh, unless you have a plan or unless you have a good reason. Because when you do that, it, you know, sometimes you lose an entire year or two years with a new guy coming in and bringing in his own scouts, you know, a new setup. How long does that take? So you got to be sure when you're replacing somebody. I always thought uh, that Bill Manning had to keep Greg Vanny. I, I thought that the work ethic was there. People don't really see behind the scenes how hard Greg Vanny works. I've seen a lot of coaches come through TFC, and Greg Vanny is so analytical in, in his ability to break things down and his player management that, uh, you know, I always thought it was a good fit. I think uh, I think it was a good decision by Bill Manning, obviously, to to keep Greg Vanny. It looks like he's going to be getting an extension here in the next few weeks. Uh, that, that'll probably be announced. Uh, and, and so far, it's had, it's had good returns. And I think they've lost, what, like three home games uh, in, in, in a year. Uh, so, it, you know, the, the guys who are still uh, talking about replacing Greg Vanny are the guys that uh, – uh, I don't know. I don't know where they are mentally. <laughs> they got the tinfoil hats on, you know, the conspiracy theorists that are out there. All right, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's close with a quick discussion on Seattle. I know the, there's a lot of talking points of the MLS Cup rematch, etc. But, you know, I, I'm kind of bored of that story. Uh, t to just tell me what, what you think about Toronto coming in this weekend, what their plan is going to be, and how they come away with, I, I imagine one point is the goal, and, you know, three is ideal, but just try and take one and go home. Yeah, I mean, I thought this would have been a real sexy matchup for the league to have maybe on opening weekend. Maybe they should look to start doing that. You know, having the uh, you know having the MLS Cup uh, MLS Cup rematch on a Friday night or something to open the season. Um, because if you look at this game this weekend, you have TFC playing on short rest. You know, the team got to Seattle around 1 a.m. after flight delays this morning. So they're clearly going to be exhausted. 
uh, in Seattle uh, gets a full week of rest uh, to play uh, to play at home. So, I mean, you got to question the schedule makers and wonder, you know, with this sexy of a matchup and MLS Cup rematch, why you'd want to have such a discrepancy and the preparation for both teams. Uh, I think you're going to see TFC use a number of different players in this match. I think you're going to see a few surprises in the lineup, uh, maybe a few players not make the trip. Uh, and it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's kind of a shame because you'd like to see both these teams be, be at full strength, uh, but I don't think they're going to be. So, uh, like you said, TFC, if they could get out here with a point, uh, they'd gladly take that. A lot of pressure on Seattle, which might be the new storyline now, because uh, they're, I think they're sitting seventh in the West right now, coming off a 3-3 draw with New England. Uh, and there's going to be pressure on them to get a result in this match, uh, playing a, a TFC team that's on short rest and, and, and probably going to be a little bit depleted. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're Toronto FC, you know, you try and get out to an early lead if you can, obviously, but again, it depends on who you have, and you, you can't just keep depending on Josie and, and, and Seba to score you two goals every match as, as much as it's nice to think that that can continue to happen. Uh, folks, he's Curtis Larson. You can check out his work in the Toronto Sun, and of course, it's reprinted all across, uh, you know, all of Canada and all different types of uh, newsprint newsstands. He's on Twitter at Kurt Larson. You're also on Facebook now. I've seen you got some Facebook stuff going on as well, too. Kurt, is that correct? Yeah, I'm trying, man. I had to get off there for a while because it was just, uh, <laughs> you know, my buddies having babies and it was bothering me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he, he's outspoken about all the big topics about soccer, but of course that's why you continue to pick up the paper or, or listen to him. And we're always happy to have him back on the show. You know, Kurt one time I did a radio show with, 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 with myself and Dave Hendrick on FM 88.9. But Kurt, I feel like we do our best work when we talk long distance. We're just, you know, we, we, we have like a really good long distance relationship, I think. Yeah, we're better we're better apart than we are together. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. I'll see I'll see you next week back in Toronto uh, and uh, enjoy your time in Seattle. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. TFC Talk with MLS and TFC journalist Steve Gennaro. TFC Talk is what you've been waiting for. More Toronto FC every single week. Practice reports, one-on-one interviews with players, coaches, executives, club alumni and insiders, and match day coverage of Toronto FC. TFC Talk can be heard on All In Sports Talk's free app or tune-in station and is simulcast on Waking the Red. You can also listen to past episodes of TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk's iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud channels. Be sure to follow Steve on Twitter at underscore S Gennaro and listen to TFC Talk every week. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. Up the Reds.